Coming to you live from the Glastonbury Podcasting Tent. I'm Andy Hughes, I'm with Alex Hudson, and this is the Dinosaur Man News and Reviews. That's that's the sound for Storms, he's just gone to stage. Um, the crowd are going wild. We currently have three people sat in front of us. Hi. And introducing the co-host with the most most, it's Alex Hudson! <laughs> Why are you coming off stage again? How horrible do you think that's going to be to listen to? Thank you, Glastonbury! <laughs> the only podcast with a pro Smash Mouth agenda. We are here to make you aware that their greatest band ever have never been invited to play this godforsaken festival. Emily Evis, I found out who it was, sort that out. Hashtag Smashmouth2020. Mm-hmm. Hashtag that. Yes, we'll be taking on questions at the end. Calm down, sir. I can see you with your hand up there. I don't care if you're saying we're not supposed to be on the stage. The gentleman in the uh, waistcoat at the back there, I'll have your question on uh, the policies in a minute. Uh, I've turned this into question time. <laughs> The policies. It's the like, policies. Like non, you know. Non-descript policy because we don't want to get bogged down in politics. So the policies. We're having Jeremy Hunt and Boris Johnson coming out and doing a hustings here, mate. <laughs> Only conservatives in the crowd. One hundred percent Tory. One hundred percent of the time. Why? They're the only ones who can vote on the leadership. I, I don't want to be. I here. paid up a membership for the Conservative Party for you just so you Why? could vote. <laughs> don't put it in, not in my name. I know you love a good vote. I thought I'd sign you up to the only vote that ever counted. This one. Some people running said, the country. Some people said this was the graveyard shift. You know, Jay Z had done his podcast. Liam Gallagher had done his. And they said, "Oh, we'll just throw we these guys on the primo twelve p.m. slot lunchtime <laughs> on a Sunday." <laughs> Thank you all for joining I, us I here. I the timelines don't work at all because I definitely said Stormzy was on the stage at the start. He was Friday night at Glastonbury. It would be the yeah. Who's twelve midday? Who's got the midday slot? At Glastonbury on no a Sunday. No one. No one. No, because isn't it normally like isn't it normally like Neil Diamond or someone? Isn't it normally Neil Diamond? You think Neil Diamond opens up for people? Neil Diamond did bloody Glastonbury, didn't he? Yeah, he closes Glastonbury, no, mate. he doesn't. He closes it. Right, Glastonbury lineup. I could go to the posters just over to the side of us. So or you could go over to the pyramid stage right now. So how's your Glastonbury been? Uh, this is not interesting radio. Well, I'm trying to find something. It's not Billy Eilish. Stop saying it's Billy Eilish. It's Billy Eilish! <laughs> Right. She'll be joining us later to review Child's Play. View by stage. <laughs> okay, I think she's Sunday. just able to get into that one, isn't she? What is she, about 10? Um, I think you'll find Sunday does have artists. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't say that Sunday didn't have artists, man. I didn't think it was a rest day. 11 to 11.45 is Langer Methodist Church Choir. Okay. Then Mavis Staples is at quarter past 12. Yeah, quarter past 12. No one's on it at 12 midday. Who is Mavis Staples? She, you know? uh, she's a successful businesswoman. She owns Staples. <laughs> she actually looks like she could be. Yeah, she's the owner of Staples, the stationery store. Um, but the, the slot I'm thinking about is the, uh-huh. like, is the Kylie slot. So Kylie's on at four o'clock. That, yeah, that's not lunchtime. That's that's dinner time almost. That's bedtime, basically. Anyway, uh, thank um, you. So two o'clock. We've got to get this wrapped up quickly because I've got to get over to the West Holt stage. Uh-huh. At two o'clock, Jeff Goldblum and the Mildred Snitzer Audience yeah, Orchestra are playing. Yeah, so- they're coming out here first. They're doing a bit on yesterday. And then they'll be uh, hot-footing it across to the Holt stage or whatever. And uh, having a little bit of a jam. So, uh, so yeah, it's a shame if you didn't get down to the stage. A little bit of Hollywood sparkle for you, even on the music stages. But, of course, plenty of Hollywood sparkle here today. We've got uh, uh, Rick Ross is coming out <laughs> later on to help us uh, decide whether you should go to the movies this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've got probably Samuel L. Jackson, I think, is making an appearance, promoting mm-hmm. Shaft, now on Netflix. 
Uh, and you watched it yet? No, absolutely not. You going wouldn't, to watch it? A piece of shit film. I wouldn't ever waste my time with it. No, I've got no interest in it. Thanks, Sammy, for coming out here. <laughs> Actually, Sam, we don't need you. What? We've already, I was just trying to say We're up. doing the big finish where we recreate the bit in Deep Blue Sea. No, I've told him we don't need him. Like we, We've discussed we've discussed Shaft already, Sam. Was he in Deep Blue Sea? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the shark eats him. Spoiler. That's not the bit we're doing. We're doing the bit where um, uh, the guy who's in Friends where he, where he goes, uh, comes over to the guy as he gets off of the helicopter and goes, Hey, man, good to see you. We're doing that bit. We're doing the bit where he goes... Did that shark just swim backwards? We're doing that bit where that... LL Cool J's bird uh, <laughs> flies around and does a thing. He's like, that's for my bird. Mm. We're doing the bit where... Um... Isn't it weird that his character in that was the same character that uh, Mickey Rourke then played in Iron Man 2? We did it. Peak comedy. Well done, guys. Isn't it weird that in all this audience, only one person clapped? <laughs> well done, guys. We're, we're shutting it down. We've literally hit... The peak of comedy. We don't need to right shut there. this down. we got nothing but bandwidth to fill. <laughs> um, what are we viewing today, then? I already told you, man. Rick Ross is coming out talking about <laughs> Child's Play. Oh, no, that was Billy Eilish. Yeah, Billy Eilish is coming out to talk about Child's Play. And um, Jeff Goldblum's here to, to talk about... Yesterday. Uh, yesterday. I will now Great have to do impressions of yes, both of these yes, people. And I'm not sure how Billy Eilish have you, sounds. Have you ever heard Billy Eilish talk? Yeah. You have? Okay, Sounds like a mouse. This is going to be interesting. Hey, it's me, it's Billy Eilish. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg's back, apparently. Hey, hey man. <laughs> okay, before we get on Even at Glastonbury, mm. we, we have, we have yeah. a scheduled stick to. Yeah. So let's start. And Billy's got to go and sing Bury a Friend in a minute. <laughs> As always... Yeah. I've had a little bit of gaming news. Now, I will point out that people have been missing your gaming themes. So. Have they? That's light. I've had at least I don't think one anyone, message. No, no one's requested this at all. They blew in, they blew in one of. Fine, I'll do it live. <sighs> oh my god, he's gonna do it. Gaming is the name of the game, and it's time to play a game with you. I've got a new game, and it's only on the G- GameCube. <laughs> Gaming is a thing that we love to do, and we all love to play the games with you. And gaming, yes, it's gaming. It's a time to have a good game, good game. This uh, podcast, and in fact, festival, is dedicated <laughs> to the memory of uh, Gandhi this week. I think we've done him before, but we've done it again. Gandhi, all the other, all the Dalai Lamas who came before Dalai Lama, the current one. Has the Dalai Lama been cancelled though? Is that well? This is what I'm saying. All the ones before him, he's the worst now. Okay. Because now we got to have a hot Dalai Lama. He says <laughs> it's a, it's such a weird thing. I mean, I know this isn't really the stage for it, but hey, when in Glastonbury, we'll talk political. <laughs> when in Glastonbury, talk hot Dalai. Lama. So here's the thing about the Dalai Lama, right? Mm-hmm. Why would he ever say that? Like, what what would have possessed him to say, yeah, if if I had a female successor, they would have to be attractive? What, so... Did so he say attractive that, or did he say hot? Because what is he just misquoting? He's attractive, like, I believe. Was he just misquoting? He's like, not warm. Oh, no, it's real hot up no, here. I just got to be prepared not. to be hot. Uh, no, I don't and think that's like, right. Oh, my God. Okay, I tried to get you out of that one, Dalai. Sorry, in my head... Um, Dalai Lama lives in, um, you know, in Batman Begins, League of Shadows. Well, he's in that's where mountain. he lives. Um, so when you said it's really hot up here, I was like, but it's definitely snowing outside. <laughs> I don't know where he lives. <laughs> in Tibet, right? But the thing is, Tibet to me is is cold because I think it's yeah, the place well, where the League of Shadows are in Batman. This is the thing. I think I think we are unwoke. No, we're woke. We're woker than the Dalai Lama. Is mm. that a thing? Although you did say that if ever I replace you on this podcast, it better be somebody who's bloody attractive. Yeah. I need a bit of eye candy. What? I replaced you. You yeah. need eye candy. Oh, sorry. Wait. Well, <laughs> if you replace me, I need a new podcast. <laughs> so if... Uh, but you're looking for an attractive yeah. opportunity. If the Weekly Politics is listening, I'm available as a co-host. 
Uh, I come with my own Rick Ross. If the weekly Cool Kids Guide is looking yeah. for a host, I'm available. You'd continue this podcast, oh, okay. though. Yeah, okay, I thought I kicked you off and it ended. Unlucky, sucker. I get a better podcast. You get the same <laughs> terrible podcast, but you're a different person. So, how about that? Anyway. So, what's your gaming news? Actual gaming news. I do have some, so don't even worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, guess who is the latest Twitch streamer? That's right, Bernie Sanders is now a Twitch streamer. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Bernie Sanders on Twitch now. He says only streaming only streaming Rocket League and League of Legends. And he says he's gonna pwn some noobs and he's gonna talk about some policies with his campaign staff. That's what it's for. But also, I like to think that he's going to be there like, oh, check out this cool... Oh, hang on, that's Billy Eilish again. He's going to... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> check out this cool kill I did on Fortnite. Okay, what... Uh, I mean, I've just told you what it's for. Yeah, it's for he, him to discuss policies and... Oh, I, I stopped listening while I searched. Because <laughs> I just assumed that you had lied. And Bernie no, Sanders is the first person you could think of. He's He's now Twitch streaming for his hopeful run for the candidacy... He won't get it. No, he won't. Absolutely. Because he won't. I will. You won't get it. But I'm Twitch streaming now. That's not the prerequisite for being the Democratic candidate. I thought that's how you get it. <laughs> no, absolutely not. You're not going to be the nominee for for the oh, Democratic Party. I've wasted a lot of your money. Mainly because you're not even a candidate. Or American. Yeah. I mean, I think that the one is also directly affecting the other. Mm. I think. Without both, without one of those things, you're screwed. Without two of those things, you're basically not fine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's happening. Are you going to be tuning into his Twitch streams? Uh huh. I want to see if he's uh, if he's pimped his um, his Rocket League car out, or if he's just using like a basic setup. I imagine he's a man who would put a sticker on it and then think it's a bit too rock and roll for me. <laughs> Although but he's a time, kind of rock and roll guy, so you never know. At the same time, I want to see him like twitches a big like um, Doom. Mm. Just like him going around like shotgunning a load of demons in the face while he talks about policies. It's yeah. Like, and everyone's like, oh, you know how we all thought that Bernie was just this nice guy? Turns out he's a maniac. He's just no, He's got some issues. It's scary because he's there and he's there just like, we need to discuss the immigration policies of America. And at the same time, he's just like chainsawing people in the face. Oh, right, but he stays like, ultra he's calm. Like, he's like, we need to talk about whether that's, or not... Yeah, but that's like psychopath <laughs> yeah, yeah. stuff. That's what I want to say. That's see. even worse. <laughs> I want to see him there like, the problem is the rich are getting richer while the poor are... <laughs> I just nah. stay in poor. Uh, okay, well, uh, if you want to check it out, his handle is... At Bernie Bro two 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 six nine six nine four twenty, blaze it. <laughs> uh, cool. That's gaming news this week. Thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> Very tangentially related to games. Twitch but, is know. a gaming platform. It's fine. It's oh, not just oh, gaming. I see, I see people like podcasts on there. Yeah. Maybe. Well, Twitch TV is now a thing. Maybe, um, maybe that's the future. New TV show has just been announced for that. It's called West Enders. Uh, it's set in the West Westworld. End. <laughs> No, it's set in the west end of Beijing. Uh-huh. It's Beijing's answer to EastEnders. Mm-hmm. And Westworld. Uh, yeah. Dean Gaffney. Is uh, it? Yeah, he, he directed the pilot episode as well. Oh. A bit like a Scorsese thing with Boardwalk Empire. Really sort of pushed that first episode in order to bring on an audience and see how much they retain. So nice. you've got that Gaffney magic. You don't need anything else. I think our international listeners don't know who Dean Gaffney is. And I think a lot of our non-international listeners don't remember who Dean Gaffney Everyone is. Everyone in the tent here knows who he is. Well, that's because that's Dean Gaffney over there, that's why. Yeah, he's playing the Pyramid stage later on. <laughs> he's co- he's co-hosting. Shall we talk some Do they have a host who comes on in yeah, between yeah, each Gaffney. bit and goes, uh, Thanks, guys. Uh, coming up next, we got Billie Eilish. <laughs> Should we talk some movie news? Well, I feel like we don't necessarily need to. Because kind of like, you know, we're having the best weekend of our lives here. And also because I've yet to find those stories again. Let me just bring those back up for us. All right, then. We're good to go. I decided at that point to mm. zero assistance there. To yeah, so I had, to, I had to tell you what I was doing as well as having to cover up for the fact that I hadn't yet done it. Hey, man. So a hey, couple man. of... 
A couple of casting bits, first of all. So Paul Rudd has officially joined Ghostbusters 2020, as it is now officially Mm -hmm. called. As the ghost? Uh, Yeah, presumably ghost. Yeah. I think he's actually playing the buster. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Dust buster. I like Paul Rudd. Yeah, I like Paul Rudd too. I don't know what to think about this Ghostbusters. Talk to me about your feeling about Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, it's... um... I just don't know why it's needed. Okay. In a way. Yeah. Like, it's almost like a, a course correction after they've decided that the other one didn't work. Right. Makes it we saw it's fine. It's nothing special. Yeah. Um but it got a lot of hate because of what it was. Yeah. Um and then they just decided to kind of throw in the towel on that and then start something brand new. Yeah. Um and I just don't know how I... Until I've seen anything about it, I don't know how to feel about it. I'm just like, I don't think I even need a Ghostbusters film. Mm. No, I don't think so either. I think we basically didn't need a second Ghostbusters film. We still got that. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But I like Paul Rudd. Yeah, I like Paul right. Rudd too. I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll play well off. I don't know. Who else is in this so far? Anyone? Well, it's been confirmed that uh, the three of them are coming back. I think even Ernie Hudson's coming back in a very small role. So they're all coming back in small cameo roles. Yeah. And then there's going to be a, I don't know, a new set of Ghostbusting. Am I right in saying that, from what I heard, it was children Ghostbusters? Yeah, I think like... Um, like Stranger Things Like Muppet Babies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. A bit like that, yeah. Like you get like a, a, a kid who's like young Bill Murray and it's like... Oh, hey, guys, it's me, Billy Ailey. Like, uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so he's going to be in that. I don't know. It's called. It's literally called Ghostbusters 2020. And I just, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like that's to tie into the presidential run of one certain Bernie Sanders, a.k.a. Twitch God. Hashtag feel the burn. If he has, like, a debilitating Twitch, that would be a really offensive name for him. Twitch God. <laughs> but... He doesn't. I've checked. It's fine. He's cool. Uh, Melissa McCarthy is in talks to play Ursula in the live-action Little Mermaid that mm-hmm. we're expecting, I think, 2022, 2023. This is the one that he's getting pushed backwards, doesn't it? Like, kind of... Uh, yeah, so I think it was initially rumoured two or three years... Well, I think it was rumoured as soon as they started saying, well, we're going to do this with all our things. Um, but I think... It, its initial release date was supposed to be 2019, so um, it has had some issues trying to get mm-hmm. off the ground. I don't even think they've found a director for this one yet. Um, but yeah, Melissa McCarthy's in talks currently for uh, Ursula. Now, I-, I saw rumours a while ago about Lady Gaga being considered. Sure, But then yeah. obviously the thing about Ursula is she has a very specific look mm. that unless you're going to CGI that character is not a Lady Gaga look, but what I've also so I saw something about this this morning, but it um, doesn't need to be. No, but I saw something about this on um, mm. Twitter because obviously this was announced, and a lot of people were like, "Look, I've got nothing against Melissa McCarthy." Ah. Um, I'll be honest; I don't like a lot of her output, but mm-hmm. that's personal preference. I um, I heard she was very good in whatever that film was that you liked last mm-hmm. year. You were never really here, not that one. This, the other one. Can you ever forgive me? No, I can't. Even as you tell me what this film is. Okay. It has got a director. I've just found um, out. It's Rob Marshall who directed Mary Poppins Returns. Okay. And Lin-Manuel Miranda's coming to do the music for it. Of course he is, because you need music. You're in Hollywood. So, yeah. So, I was reading this thing on Twitter. And there's a lot of people going, look, I've got nothing against Melissa McCarthy. But actually, mm-hmm. A, there's, um, you know, the singer Lizzo? Yep. She's campaigned very hard to get it, including fully painting herself purple and dressing up as Ursula. Right. But the main thing people keep saying is Ursula was originally based, the look of her was originally based on a drag queen, like a really famous drag queen. Mm-hmm. People are going, why don't you make this like really bold and put a drag queen in that role? Yeah. Because there's so many people out there who are, uh, who have the pipes to do it and actually you could put this for this to the front of your film and be like, actually we're not afraid to do this in a Disney film. Mm-hmm. Um, like As well, people have mentioned... Um, from Unbreakable Kimmy Smith, um, oh, yeah. the dude from that, I think his name's Therese or something like that. Um, but apparently he's also said he'd do it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's that thing of just how brave do you think they are as a casting department? Would they ever do that? I'm not convinced they would, but I actually imagine what it would mean if they did. 
Well, I'd say that what you've got is a pretty free swing anyway, because these movies make money. Mm-hmm. The only one that hasn't really is Dumbo. Dumbo's not made yeah. out in the same way that the other ones have. You look know, at look Aladdin, at, like look at Aladdin, it just keeps on going. Aladdin's probably going to get close to a billion. But I think the thing with I think the thing with these films is as long I think it's interesting that the ones from more recently, so say um, Beauty and the Beast, which was a fairly recent, as in if you look at the animation, yeah, it's still a fairly recent thing um, that did huge business, did 1.2 billion or something mm-hmm. like that, I think. Um, you know, Aladdin looks like it's well on course for a billion at the moment as well. And these are both films that were initially released in the 90s. Yeah. So if you're looking at it and going, well, this film was only from 1989, it's not that far away from that. The only one, for, you know, you look at Dumbo, maybe the reason that Dumbo didn't work is just there's not a lot of connection with it with younger audiences. And the old audiences that really like Dumbo mm. were really upset about, you know, the, the stuff they took out. Well, yeah, the stuff they took out and the stuff they put in, <laughs> which is Danny DeVito and racist crows. <laughs> Other way around, you, you decide what, what they put in. Yeah, they didn't take out Danny DeVito. <laughs> obviously, we saw the box office, we don't. We know a lot of you didn't see it, so you mm. decide whether they put in the racist crows or not. Um, so yeah, I may maybe that's it. I mean, the only the only one who's really done away mad business um, from from sort of the earlier years of the animation stuff is the Jungle Book movie that came mm. out a few years ago, um, and I think that being the leading way in sort of uh, certainly this sort of CGI. You know, it, that's the thing, isn't it? It's that it's that live action, but Weirdly, just yeah. as animated as the as the nineteen sixties version, except you've got one real child in it, and of course we've got Lion King coming up this year as well. That's released in what three weeks? Yeah, soon. And it's tracking to sort of. I think it's going to be a big hit. So it feels like as a studio, you've got a fairly free swing with these now, where you've gone right. I've. I've got a vision in my mind of how we can go forward with this. We could be brave here and we could really push the envelope and we could probably still be assured that we'll get a big load of business. A, a big step for inclusivity with mm. this film. And I was reading through it like, because I didn't know anything about this until I was mm. literally reading through it earlier. Um, and I was just reading a lot of people giving their opinions and stuff like that. And I was like, actually, they make a really good point that you've got a real opportunity here that you could take with both hands. But the same time you could be taking a hit against your film at yeah. that point, unfortunately, unfortunately, because that's the, the mindset of a group of people. But actually, at the same time, it's just one of those things where you're putting something forefront of your screen to go, hold on. Yeah. The, I think the big trouble they face with this one is that there has to be a huge level of financial investment in this film because in order to do it in a live-action world you've got to really dump the money into it to make it look realistic. Mm-hmm. So they may look at that as being more of a financial risk at this point because it may well be that's more expensive than Dumbo. Stuff. It may be more expensive than... So it feels like that may well be the only thing where Unless you... this is the situation where Disney and Warner Brothers work together, copy-paste the setting of Aquaman. Didn't work. Just use that as the background and have people... Floating in front of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Okay. So just have a DVD of Aquaman yeah, playing yeah, yeah. on the green screen. Yeah. Right. Anyway, um, <laughs> we'll move on from that because I don't think that's necessary uh, to go into. As an idea, uh, what's happening? Hey, so we love The Haunting of Hill House. I did. Unfortunately, it's <laughs> over now. No, oh, no. No more Haunting of Hill House. Oh, this is a shame. But... The oh. follow-up has been announced this week. What? They uh, said there's going to be a follow-up. Before. Yeah, yeah. So it was always it was always made out that it was going to be an anthology series. So it would be the say uh, a lot of returning cast members, however, um, in different different roles, and it's going to be an entirely different story, not mm-hmm. based on Hill House or anything like that. Um, so what we've got instead, so is... so nothing to do with houses. Um, so we've got the haunting of Bly Manor. Hold on a second. <laughs> inspired by the turning, uh, turning of the screw. Um, so that's which one's turning of the a screw? turn of the screw? Um, who wrote that one? Henry James. So adapted into various different 
films before films and tv adaptations uh the bbc had one a few years ago maybe about 10 years ago um probably film wise best known i'm guessing for the innocents which was 1961 to something like that i think so in these anthologies they're just basically like classic ghost stories then. yeah that are being <laughs> adapted by mike flanagan for netflix now so Taking taking these classic ghost stories and putting their own spin on the story, but essentially retaining a lot of the beats from those uh, from those books or from those stories. It's going to be interesting. So if it does have the same, because I never watched anything like American Horror Story does this, doesn't it? Mm. There you go. Same cast, different characters, sure, different settings, but same kind of feel. Yeah. Um, and I've never seen because I never watched that series. I've never seen a series where I then have to watch it and go. Oh, that's somebody I know from before. So, like, say it was you, I'd be like, "Oh, there's Alex. I know yeah. Alex, but hold on, he's now a completely different person." And how how do I make that kind of break? Well, I think the benefit of this is that continuity-wise, they're not saying it's going to be the haunting of the Hill House of Hill Hill House brackets or uh, yeah. colon Bly Manor. It's just The Haunting of Bly Manor, a completely separate property, but with some returning mm. cast members and the entire, I think the entire creative crew staying the same. So the benefit is you don't have to watch it thinking, oh, this is American Horror Story like it was last year, yeah. except this time it's in a hotel instead of a carnival. Mm-hmm. So the benefit is you're probably watching it going... Well, it's, it's essentially the same thing as just watching any other TV series yeah, or yeah. film where you've seen... You know Tom Cruise in Cocktail, but now you're watching Top Gun. No, no, I did. It's a different character. I did this time. wonder why. You and actually, less Martinis. like that because it's not Tom Cruise. It's um, you know returning cast members who aren't superstars. I would love to see Tom Cruise turn up in this, though. He won't. He's stayed away from horror since the Mummy, and tried telling me that wasn't horrifying. It was beautiful. I don't know what you mean. It was the best film. Where did the sand come from? Oh, yeah, the glass. Mm. Picture, yeah. perfect, movie but that, that proves making. that as a piece of filmmaking, that didn't work as a piece of filmmaking because you identified that the only thing to take away from that was that they came up with the reasonable excuse as to why there would be sand in the middle of London. <laughs> lots of sand. Not just a little bit. Lots. Um, Enough to make a face or yeah. whatever it was. <laughs> It was a bad film, wasn't it? Man, um, that sucked. I'm sure I heard a movie they were trying to kickstart that again recently, and I was like, oh no, just let it die. I don't think just they can. I think at this point it's too close to, to that failure now, so I think they're going to have to leave it five years before they even revisit it. But they have... Well, no, this is the thing. They've been talk- Blumhouse have been talking about taking it on, hmm. um, because obviously it's Universal Monsters. So... I think I've, I must, I'm sure I've spoken about this on this podcast before. I I must have, because I think there is a good way to make those movies. And I don't know, the the temptation would be to say that, okay, so if Blumhouse got their hands on it and Universal just said, right, okay, here's all these properties, Mm -hmm. go out and make us monster movies. I don't know whether Blumhouse would make good versions of those. Yeah. Mainly because... Their version of monster movies at the moment is very different to a normal monster movie. Mm -hmm. You know, their version of monster movies is, you know, The Bye Bye Man or something like that. I don't think that was a Blumhouse one, though, was it? Was it? No. Trick or Treat? No. Uh, No, sorry. uh, Truth or Dare? Yes. Okay. So that's an example of recent nonsense from Blumhouse where it's just not been, you know, it's it's been fluff and nothing but... You mean Best Picture nominee, Truth or Dare? So... My my trepidation with that would be that, yes, in theory, because they know how to make horror films profitable, they would be a good pair of hands to leave it in. But the problem is, if you're looking at expanding a uni- building an expanded universe and you want to tie in all of those things, they're, not, they're probably not the people you would want behind it. But then again, why bother trying to tie them all in together? It doesn't need to be that. You can they can exist in the same universe without making crossovers. Like in that first one, you already had Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde in the same film as the Mummy, and you kind of think like, Give it if a break. you if you had a little bit of faith in yourself as storytellers, 
you could have you could have made a subtle reference to the fact that maybe other stuff out there exists mm-hmm. without having to say i mean this is me reviewing a 2 year old film at this point but it's i think the point still stands make del toro make them all yeah but this is the thing but is that del toro no in between them except mm. do you remember ernest from the ernest films <laughs> We're not he, making a new series of Ernest because he, what you've what you've proposed is a series of Ernest films directed by Guillermo del Toro. No, no, you're not direct. No, you're he, not proposing. But each one is about a universal monster, mm-hmm. and it's an and it's about it's the time a, that a, Ernest it's met. An, it's an Abbott and Costello, yeah, situation. No one wants Ernest. that. No one wants that at all. Also, is <laughs> Ernest not dead yet? No, we looked it up on this podcast before when we said what is Ernest up to. Did we? Okay. Not Ernest then. Um, I don't know. Anton Deck. Okay, so you're. I think. Uh, I don't know. Anton Deck. Who would you like to see go through? These uh, films? None. Like, so the film is made by Guillermo. Like that's a bit sticks. Like Guillermo del Toro makes all of these films. Uh huh. But there is a lead character. Uh, okay, so Jim Varney died in two thousand. Well, Ernest. Yeah. Ernest is dead. Yeah, for nineteen years. Oh now. wow! Oh. This podcast is um, dedicated to Ernest. It's also dedicated to your knowledge that he was still alive up until this point. I've, I could have sworn we've looked into this before. I've never looked up whether Jim Varney was still alive. And okay, I have now done that. He's now got a podcast dedicated to him, so it's fine. Sure. That's this, all is he, what, this is all he ever wanted. wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm sure he'd agree that this has been the podcast. This has been the episode he really wanted as well. The big live episode. <laughs> Um, we got any more news? Uh, we got loads. Charlie's Angels got a full trailer this week. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it could be good. I don't know. Who knows? This is the thing. Charlie's Angels, it's been away from the big screen for nigh on 15, 16 years now at this mm-hmm. point. Last time we saw them on the big screen was Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, which I think was maybe like 2002 now. When it um, was... Diaz, Lucy Liu, and... Drew Barrymore, yes. yeah. Um, and those ones were directed by McGee, if I remember correctly. Um, so, the bar is fairly low mm-hmm. when it comes to these movies, I think. Um, I don't know. It's a good cast, I think. Um, but I just... Again, I don't know whether it's just a case of... I don't know if there's an audience for it or, you know, I'm sure there will be. And they've cast well in terms of getting people in who have followings. Um, Well, you're a big fan of Kristen Stewart. Yeah, sure. And she's going to bring a lot of her fans from the Twilight days, I would imagine, to this as well. Because they've probably been alienated by some of the films she's been making (laughs) recently. I don't think Clouds of Silves are the kind of films that her fans want to see. But... Naomi Scott's obviously having a massive Just year having, already. Yeah. So I think she's and going. The Power Rangers fans are going to be following her. Yeah. So you're that's, there, and that's no how one Aladdin else. benefited. Yeah. Um. So I think there's going to be a huge amount of goodwill towards her because I think she's really good in Aladdin. Um. And you know Elizabeth Banks has always got mm-hmm. a following as well. I think you know she's a safe pair of hands in terms of directorship. I think. I'm interested to see what what's fresh about this in a way. Mm. Um. Because there's so many kind of like spy action films out that you have to kind of how are you going to break them all? Like a bit like the first Kingsman when that came out, it was different. It was yeah. the same. There's same familiarity about it, but it was also different. And this kind of toes that same line. It's that same kind of like we're spies. We have all the gadgets. We've got all the kind of like all this cool stuff going on. But how is it different? Yeah. And I didn't get that from that trailer. I didn't get anything in there to me that goes. Oh, this is new and exciting. But I was kind of like, actually, I like a couple of these people in it, so I'm interested to see. Well, I wonder. I'm going to give a go to. I wonder if the thing that's going to make it stand out is potentially if there's chemistry between those three Mm -hmm. as leads. I think that could really work. So uh, that might be the thing that sets it as, oh, okay, so this is what it has going for it. And if they're really likable in those roles together then there's no reason why you wouldn't want to go and see more of that. Yeah. So I, I think it's probably a film that's there to test the water more than anything else. It's to a see film whether I've forgotten is, about. This is going this. to, I don't know, potentially spike up some interest in reviving the series. Yeah. 
because it did have a TV revival a couple of years ago that I believe got cancelled maybe after two series. Um, so it's it's not for lack of trying. I think it's potentially just you have to hit the right uh, you have to hit the right sort of mixture of everything together. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, yeah, two, oh, in fact, longer than that, longer than ago, two thousand eleven, one series. Mm. Anyone that we know in it? Let's see. Uh, Minka Kelly. Do you remember her from various things? I, she in Gossip Girl, maybe? <laughs> or have I invented that? Um, some other people? Uh, look, I don't know. But yeah, basically, it's a film I've forgotten was coming out, so I was quite surprised to see the trailer. Pedro Pascal was in it. There oh, you are. How about that? Um, and apparently Roger Cross was in it, but also had the same picture as Minka Kelly, so I don't know what's going on there. Uh, my... Uh, my app seems to be broken. Anyway, so let's just move on, get on to the review, shall we? Um, what are we talking about today, Andy? We'll start with your oh, one because... Hold on. You've already told everyone what... All right, well, fine. Let's start with yesterday, seeing as you've seen it yesterday. Ah, how about that? Sorry, I was like, I'm sure there's another trailer and it is. It's a current war, but I didn't watch it. Okay, well, there we are then. Did you watch it? No, I skipped past it's it. Got, it's got a big cast, doesn't it? Yeah. Me? You? Okay. We didn't watch Come it. Back. We don't need to discuss it. It's fine. But it's got Michael Shannon in it, so I'm surprised I didn't watch it, because I love Michael Shannon. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday. Who are we getting in? Goldblum. Oh, hang on. This is me, <laughs> Goldblum. <laughs> Uh, yesterday is the latest film by Danny Boyle, um, starring Himesh Patel and Lily James mm-hmm. um, as your leads. Um, also with a hefty, hefty appearance by Ed Sheeran mm-hmm. in it. Um, the film basically has Himesh Patel um, playing a guy who's he's kind of a failing musician. He's been trying on the road for a long time. Um, his name's Jack. Just had to look that up. Um, so the character Jack, he's a famous musician. His manager is played by Lily James, and basically um, he decides that's it. I'm, I'm playing all these gigs and I'm getting nowhere. I'm nearly thirty. I'm done, um, and decides to quit music. And while he's riding home that night, there's a power cut around the world, mm-hmm. um, and during that power cut, he just happens to turn a corner where a bus is turning and gets hit by a bus. Mm-hmm. Um, when he wakes up the entire world has forgotten the Beatles ever existed. Mm-hmm. There is no reference to them at all um, on the internet or anything like that. And he is then faced with this horrible decision of, I'm the only person who remembers the Beatles. I remember their songs and they were the greatest songwriters of all time. Do I have it in me to steal their music? Okay. And he does. Um, so he decides he's going to start using their songs um, and, you know, people start commenting, oh, overnight you've literally been able to write hundreds of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he starts progressing and making it big. And it's kind of his story of how what happens when you you live this kind of life that is purely a lie. Um, that you live this life basically claiming to have somebody's work that isn't yours. But at the same time, at its core, there is a, a kind of... Um, it was a kind of romance story between him and Lily James. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like these two people have known each other for such a long time. Yeah. Um, and somehow, and from the start you're going, somehow you're not together. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. And it's that's the kind of... It's, it's, it's very... Um, it's not new. I can't find the word. Like it's the story's not new. It's I mean, well, it's important to note that the screenplay is written by Richard Curtis. So if it feels familiar, there's a good reason for that because Richard Curtis has been responsible for a lot of films that follow the same beats. Mm. And it's it's very unoriginal mm-hmm. to the point where like there's points at the end where it's coming to a head, and I'm like, oh, it, this is going to be the, what's happening then. Mm-hmm. This was and it and it happens. I'm like, okay, great, yeah, that's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um. And it's fine. Mm-hmm. And my problem, the, the problem I have is because Danny Boyle, I kind of expect more from, in a way. Okay. Like, I expect a higher level, like, something a bit more interesting. I don't think this ever drills deep into the situation at hand because it, I don't think it decides whether it wants to be this kind of, this kind of 
guy dealing with his inner turmoil film mm-hmm. or this romantic story, this kind yeah. of love story, it kind of it doesn't really kind of hit home with either. Um, the one thing it did do is it made me want to watch, want to listen to the Beatles, mm-hmm. and the way they've incorporated some of the music and stuff made me go, God, I wish they'd done this better. Mm-hmm. Like I wish they'd done this in a different way. Um, there's a lot of humor that seems phoned in, yeah, as well. Um, where it's kind of like it's it might be the, just the way Richard Curtis writes, which is here's a line, here's a line. That's my joke line. That's my joke line. Oh, this then this guy says a joke. Then this guy says a joke. And then we do a bit of dialogue, but then this guy says a joke, and this guy, and it's almost like it's build, 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 just so we can have a joke, build, 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 just so we can have a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially at the beginning, it really didn't, it really missed for me. Like there, like, I was like, mm, I see that that's supposed to be a joke, and it's not. And as it went on, I think either I just got used to the writing, or we kind of blended in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, it's a feel good movie. Like, and don't get me wrong, it's not. I wouldn't say it's bad. Mm-hmm. I just think that you could have done so much more with this idea. Because the idea is great. Mm. Like, I like that as an idea. And you know me, I'm a huge Beatles fan. Like, mm. I'm going to go see any film uh, that has that kind of idea in the middle, middle of it. And I think the performances are fine. Like, Himesh Patel and Lily James, like, their their chemistry is really strong. Mm-hmm. Like, and you do end up going, how are you not together? And people ask that question, like... Um, there's people asking the question of why are you not together like I don't understand and you and you, as an audience member like I'm the, one of the first thoughts I had when I was together when um, I was watching was how is this not the case yeah so that's that works mm-hmm. and then you kind of understand where it goes but at the same time it just it doesn't feel original and it doesn't really it's not really scripted well mm-hmm. um, and then the pacing is a bit weird as well because it's kind of like it, it becomes this kind of Slow build, slow build, slow build. Everything happens. Mm-hmm. That sort of film. Um shame. Also, Ed Sheeran, don't give him, don't make him. We went through it yesterday. He said, mm-hmm. like, oh, how much of a role has he got? And I think we worked out that he's probably like, the, in terms of time on screen, he's probably about your fifth lead. Right. Um, and bless him, the guy can sing. Mm-hmm. Like, and he sing incredibly well. Um, but he can't act. See, I've heard mixed things about this. I've heard a lot of reviews saying that he's pretty good as himself. And, like, it makes it seem like he's not acting as himself. No, he's he's acting as okay. himself. Well, I've seen... All <laughs> I'm saying is I've seen reviews that have no, praised I, him. No, I find it really hard to watch at the time. Like, uh, it's... Especially because of the couple of other performances that are really good in this. Mm-hmm. Um you know, even as like when people are coming in, like Kate McKinnon comes in as like this really exaggerated personality. Yeah. Um, you and you see how easily that it's even something that exaggerated can blend into mm-hmm. this kind of reality. Um, it then has this kind of he's very stilted, and you know that's nothing against him because mm-hmm. he's not an actor. He's in this because he is a a multi million selling record guy. Yeah, like he's a name that at this point in time. Will pull people in, and yeah. you know he is somebody that the audience can associate. That guy has what this guy needs, like. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe don't give him as much, okay. like. Um, but yeah, I think you know songs are great. Mm-hmm. They are never not going to be. There's a very weird twist towards the end, like not even a twist, a moment towards the end. That's mm-hmm. um, really baffling, um, and I'm not going to say anything about it because it's it's kept quite even all over the internet at the moment it's fairly quiet um but it's fine if you mm-hmm. want to feel good movie it, it ticks the boxes yeah but if you want to be kind of challenged or stretched by a film then it's, mm. it's there's not much there so when you said you were disappointed uh, you you expected more from Danny Boyle mm. do you feel like he's limited by the fact that the story isn't there because he Maybe. can only do so much all he is is directing it mm. he's not writing it so is it a case of he's just got what he's got and he has to work with that material and the problem lies in the script or the, the actual story? Absolutely. I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that Danny Boyle has done in the past, I think, my favourite stuff by Danny Boyle is stuff that, like, it has elements in it that challenge you and make you question kind of what's... Mm-hmm. What's it? Like, Sunshine is a great film. But this is what I'm saying. Is it down to the fact that Alex Garland's a fantastic yeah, writer and... and- 
perhaps Richard Curtis isn't... And this might be Danny... Or this feels like a Richard Curtis film. Yeah, and this might be Danny Boyle just going, okay, let me, let me just have a swing at one. Let me, mm. just, let me just get this out of my system. I wanted to do something like this. Right? Yeah. But then I think he's done it better with Slumdog Millionaire. Mm. You know, that kind of feel-good feel good film of mm. hope. Um, and I just think that there's, there's opportunity here, like, using those songs. And I don't mind that some of the songs seem to be kind of... Um, Put in there, just they've gone. Oh yeah, this, this will shoehorn this moment in, mm-hmm. like a moment where they go to Russia. Why do you go to Russia? Oh, so we can sing back in the USSR. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the only reason. And then they can have this little comedy moment with him and Ed Sheeran. Um, you know, I don't mind that kind of stuff. What I do mind is there is this kind of thing of just he gets racked up in this whole thing of oh, I'm plagiarizing and should I be like. Mm. But it's never really dealt with. It comes from nowhere. Yeah. And it's never dealt with. Um, and then there's this whole, have I missed my shot with the girl? Mm-hmm. Um, what are you going to do about it? It's there and it's never really dealt with. Like they, Their moments are just, they arrive and they're gone. Mm-hmm. And the concept of the whole film just fills in all the blanks. So for me, from the sound of that, it fits into what I would expect from a Richard Curtis film where a thing presents itself and then gets either resolved or ignored to the point where it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme mm. of things because that's really not what the story is about because it's a Richard Curtis film. So it's about one specific thing and that thing is usually the love story that happens yeah. with Hugh Grant and whoever else it is in that particular Richard Curtis film. So for me, it sounds like that's that's where the issues lie in terms of it feels so formulaic yes. in terms of it's yeah it's an interesting idea at the concept but around it is still a Richard Curtis film where it feels like you've you can't escape the fact that you feel like you've seen this before mm-hmm. and just in different circumstances so really what else is there other than that unique hook of well this one's got Beatles songs in yeah. it and that's kind of all we were expecting. So that no, for me, it's the reason that I wasn't ever interested in this film because I love Danny Boyle, but I'm not a Richard Curtis fan. So and I don't think I wouldn't would rush that. to the cinemas to go and see a film that's scripted right by Richard Curtis, no matter who it's directed. It could be directed by you know Lynn Ramsey. Hmm. Oh, I'd, I'd like to see what she does with that actually. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I, I would. It would to take see- a lot. It would take a lot for me to go out and see a film written by Richard Curtis on the basis that. I think something really interesting is going to happen with it. I would like to have seen what somebody with a bit more edge to them did with that idea. That same as idea. a writer, yes. Or would a better match of director? Maybe with someone who's more into maybe get Dexter Fletcher on board to do a bit of a sunshine on Leith type thing with it. True, because the thing is that there are moments that look really cool. Mm-hmm. Like there are moments in it that visually really work. Um, and I, but I don't think there's enough of that. Okay. So either go all out, yeah, or no. I'll be honest, go all out. Just go all like, out. Like the the way to do this film is to go a bit weird, a bit bit more push. You've got a weird concept in there that everyone's forgotten about something. Yeah, that only you remember, and it's the Beatles who are this iconic band that had so many different styles and so much kind of like abnormality about kind of their music and their style as they went on but you could really do something really cool and they do really great stuff they use the same kind of hook that um it's the same hook that the love show used by Cirque du Soleil um but it's mm-hmm. kind of like the um all you need is love kind of it's this kind of like grinding like the dun 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 um hook um and it kind of like it, it's kind of using octopus's garden Basically, if you know the hook, you know what I mean. Um, But it's this kind of like weird, kind of abstract kind of bit of music. And they use it in this film. And when they used it, and they use it when he gets hit by the bus, um, it's kind of like this storm's going and like the lights start going out and this music's kind of grinding and it's kind of like for the benefit of Mr. Kite, that kind of weird, the weird Beatles shit. Mm. And I was like, oh, if that's what this film's going to be, like they're going to use that kind of stuff and they're really going to kind of, really kind of meddle with stuff a little bit. Mm. But it doesn't quite sound right. And I was like, great. And it never was. Mm. And that's the problem. But I think if you're looking for something feel good, then yes, go for it. it, it it's, it's fine. But I I wasn't a fan. Okay. Um, the one positive is you might have an audience like mine who end up just 
chatting the whole way through, and I had like a woman to the right of me just singing along to all the songs. Well, which was interesting. If it works for if it works for an audience there were, there on a, a crowd pleasing level, then I, that's fine. Right? I told my parents to go watch it because I think my parents would love it. Yeah, like I genuinely do, um, because it, they they will enjoy. Like, no insult to them, but they would enjoy this more than, say, um, a... Well, well, they didn't particularly care for Rocket Man as no. much, did they? No, what I'm trying to think of is... But Rocket Man is a very specific type of story. I'm trying to think of something that's... So, something like The Florida Project. Okay. Like, The Florida Project is a film... Yeah, I would never encourage right. your parents to watch The Florida but Project. But this is the, this is the point. This... Like, the Florida Project is something that's meandering, but deals uh-huh. with real-life kind of, like, story, like, real delves deep into kind yeah. of in the monotony of life and all that kind of stuff whereas this well, keeps this it is, nice and surface yes yeah. and I think that's the difference I think people like that are gonna, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad if that's the kind of film you like yeah. that's not a bad thing no, you've, I think you've always got to have and particularly in in times like we're in today I think there is an increasing demand and need for some sort of light escapism hmm. and it's got because uh, i you know i go everyone goes to the cinema for escapism mm-hmm. either that or entertainment whatever it is that you want to go there for but my version of escapism is completely different to uh, you know the majority of people i think would want to go and see light feel good films because they want to feel better yeah. about things whereas i'm quite happy to watch the weirder stuff or the sort of more abstract stuff thinking well, you know, everything's awful, so I may as well go and see something about cannibalism. <laughs> and, I think or this, and this has nothing deeper to say. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not there going. Oh, this is this is about the administration. No, it's, yeah, it's there's just, nothing you know, deep. It's nearly two hours of your life that you're spending enjoying the ride. Yeah, the, okay. it's fine. But yeah, sorry to have gone on for a little bit there. So uh, our review of Child's Play will be next week because we can't fit <laughs> anything else in this episode. Uh, no, so Child's Play. Um, Diddy, get in here. The um, so this is the sort of rebooting of the franchise. Weird old legal loopholes and things are involved. Um, so the 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 way it's boiled down is MGM own the property. Mm-hmm. However, Don Mancini as the as the guy who created Chucky and the Child's Play franchise also retains the rights to that intellectual property. So they are able to make films at MGM in this series, but he is also still able to follow his projects that he's going on with. Uh, in his case, he's currently developing a TV series um, with Brad Dourif as the uh, as a, continuing as the voice of Chucky. Mm-hmm. MGM have decided, well, what we are wanting to do is we're wanting to create a Chucky for you know a child's play for the twenty first century. We're wanting to um, reboot this franchise with or without your permission. And he said, well, it'll be without then. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, basic premise um, following very loosely on from it, from the premise of the um, 89, 88, 89 version. Um, a child's doll essentially <laughs> does things it shouldn't. Um so in this so, one, it's more of an animatronic. So, uh, yeah, so the, the setup here is instead of in the original, in the 88 original, it was a um, a doll possessed by the spirit of a dead serial killer. Whereas in this one, it's now a malfunctioning smart doll, essentially, yeah. that can link him with other products in your home. Really updating it for that 21st century by saying, right, well, okay, what kind of things would this be useful for in a modern yeah. world? Imagine Alexa was crazy. Because you're in a position where you're going, I can't imagine any kid at this point in time, particularly at this kid's age, so Andy played in the film by Gabriel Bateman, who I think does a really good job, actually. Yeah. Um, you can't imagine a kid his age being excited about this thing unless it does something really spectacular. And all it does is it controls TVs and music systems and links into, yeah, uploads things to the cloud and all this. So you're in a position where, okay, you've got your premise, you've updated it, it makes more sense now, mm-hmm. rather than a voodoo spirit doll thing you've now got a malfunctioning piece of technology of course that's the way to go with it fear of robotic uprising that's where to go um mark hamill playing 
Chucky in this film. Um, it's really good. Yeah, I liked it. I think he he works as a as a voice for it. I think you've got to. This is the thing: is you you're in a position where I, so. I've seen the Child's Play movies up until this point, and there's been some high points and there's been some very low points. And I think you're, I mean, this is the first, I think this is the first cinematically released one since, I think, Seed of Chucky in 2004, 2005. And for me, it's a a franchise that I don't have any love for at all. Mm. I don't particularly care for them. Never have. So... Here's a position that I'm finding myself is I'm going into this film going, I'm skeptical because I don't know if we need this to be rebooted because, quite frankly, I didn't care about it in the first place. What can you do to change my mind? And I don't know if I'd ever see another one, but it's fine. It's I found it fairly... I had fun with what we got. Yeah. Um, I thought everyone played their parts. And like you said, the Giddy Blaze Andy is really yeah. good. Um I thought because he, he's got a lot of the heavy lifting to do, you know, he's he's the one acting off this. this it's a story job. through his eyes, which is kind of nice. I think it's you know it's kind of interesting to see someone in that position being being basically given most of their screen time with a with a doll mm-hmm. essentially, and you've got to make that convincing somehow. And the two of them, whether you know. Whether he was on set feeding lines to him while he was there, I don't know. But the two of them work really well together. Yeah, and I think what's really nice is this one, because I never saw any of the old Chuckies. Mm. Um, but I thought what was really nice about this one was it kind of became a thing of, like, is Chucky kind of almost a product? Yes, he has all his inhibitors off and all that kind of stuff, and mm. he is already malfunctioning, but is he also a product, product of, of his, his environment? Because, yeah. because he's fed certain things and, you know, He's then led to believe certain things in the way he acts of just kind of like, could he have turned out some other way if mm-hmm. certain things didn't happen? I don't know. Uh, or would he was always ended up where he is? So there's possibly a deeper meaning here than there is in yesterday on the basis that it actually <laughs> asked that question of whether... Well, the, I don't even know if that question's meant. It was only something that but I can no, I think, I think it's I think it's relevant. And obviously the, there is a key moment where it there is a lot of violent and bloody images that are essentially uploaded to Chucky at that point. And then mm-hmm. you see, it almost feels like that's the point where the yeah. flip, uh, the switch gets flipped and he, all the inhibitors being off at that point then becomes a problem. Up until then, it's been a bit weird, but it's not been, it's yeah, not yeah. been horrifying. And then all of a sudden he's exposed to something ultra violent and ultra out there. And then that, is the thing that then informs his decisions for the rest of the film. And you can almost, you know, and he tries to justify those decisions mm-hmm. and it almost feels like you're giving a sympathetic look at the character almost yeah, for a all, while. He's always trying to justify what he's done. You know, so, he's always like, oh, this is why I've done that. And I think that's the thing for me is that at the end of the day, what you've got is, yeah, it's, it's essentially just another child's play movie, but I think they found a way to actually make it somewhat relevant. Mm-hmm. And... I think the AI aspect of it, rather than a magical or mystical element, I think works in its favour. I think you've got enough, you, you know, you've got enough horror films out there at the moment that deal with the supernatural and the sort of eerie and spooky stuff. This one feels, uh, I mean, you know, it, it is ridiculous and delves yeah. into the well, realms of just out-and-out comedy at points. Well, I realize but those- that's kind of what the franchise always was. But it's, you know, it, it acts kind of nicely. I mean, as someone who watches a lot of horror cinema and a lot of very mediocre horror <laughs> cinema, there is there is something nice about seeing something that isn't about things that go bump in the night that you can't explain or that turn out to be demons from a book that have been mm. raised by a nun in Romania. You know, things like that. It just feels like I'm kind of so done with the conjuring stuff. Yeah. But it's kind of nice to get back to sort of, ooh, this is just, you know, this is malfunctioning circuit boards. There's yeah. something tangible there that is going wrong. I can actually get on board with that in a way that maybe I've just become a little bit um, numb to the supernatural stuff just because the sheer prevalence of, hey, we've got another Conjuring Verse movie and you've got another one coming out this year as well. So, you know, enjoy that. It's like, 
I don't know how many times I can see a possessed doll or a possessed, you know, nun. Well, I like. I find it was funnier than I thought it was going to be as well. Mm. Like, what I think the nice thing is is no, because it's quite a. Um, everyone knows what Chucky is. Yeah, and going into this, you pretty much know what Chucky is, and they do very well at building up kind of to the point of when he first kills. Yeah. But every time, like they'll do certain things, and you'll start chuckling and be like, "Okay, I get, I get what's happening here. Mm. I can see this." Like they'll do certain things, and you go, "Okay, yeah, yeah, I see what that is." Um, or a moment might happen later on, like where like there's a whole thing with a present, and which is great. Yeah, um, and it's really funny. Um, so yeah, it was a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be, um, without ever being farcical. Yeah, really. and I think for me, uh, where I where I stand with it is, you know, I think. It's it's not going to be the best horror film of the no. year. It's not scary, but then again, it's never really supposed to be. I don't think so. I think it sets out what it. I think it achieves what it sets out to do, relatively speaking. And I think it's probably better than it had any right to be, mm-hmm. and certainly better than I gave it any credit yeah. for going in. So I kind of feel like you know it's a that'll do pig for me. It's not. Mm. It's not something that I'd be like. You know, go out and see Child's Play. It's a real treat. But equally, it's not bad. And I think it does the job it sets out to do pretty well. So if you are in the market for some quasi-horror nonsense, there's nothing else in the cinema that's going to do that for you. I would recommend it. Oh, so it's a would recommend for you. Yeah, because I had had fun. And mainly because if you stay till the end, you can hear Mark Hamill creepily singing a song. Yeah, I think the song is really good. And I think (laughs) he's... I mean, The credits have two versions of it. It has him singing it as though it's all fine. Mm. And then the very end has him singing it in a very creepy way. Yeah. um, Which is really unsettling, but made me laugh a lot. So I'd Um, say recommended purely for that. Oh, okay. Right. But also, I I had fun with it. I thought it was fine. leave it an hour and a half and then come in at the end then for those five (laughs) minutes. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else out in the cinema that does the job that it's doing. So if you're looking to get that job done, Mm -hmm. go. But, you know... If you're not, then you know. If you if you've never been interested in it, it's more or less off, the same, just a bit updated. Off the top of your head, mm. I don't know if you know this, so it's a real real stump of a question. How's it doing box office wise? Do we know? Uh, like, it did it okay. Done? So it opened two weeks ago. It I think it grossed about fourteen million uh, in the US in its opening weekend. So I imagine that it's done. I'm just interested to know whether it is a success or not. Well, let's have a look. Because it's one that I've heard a couple of people I know have seen it, and a lot of people going, I'm probably going to give it a miss. So I'm just interested to know how many people did actually see it. Okay, so let's have a look. So Child's Play, Worldwide Gross. Let's see if we can access that now. Just Just thought I'd ask. Interesting question. So production budget of ten million. Yeah. So you're looking for a twenty million dollar boundary, really, for it to recoup its uh, thing. Uh, I've only got domestic figures from the US available. Twenty million so far. So it's done the job. Um, So you would imagine that. I mean, I don't know if this is going to be the start of a brand new franchise. No. They've left it so that it could be. I think. Yes. But. This is the problem, is that I kind of feel like I don't know how much this could run for. Mm-hmm. I think one film, it completely works, but it gets to a point where I go, you need to justify yourself as a sequel. <laughs> and that's where the supernatural stuff can do that because it can say, well, it's a different demon. Yeah. This, it's like, it's the same problem. Just absorbed himself into the cloud, it's fine. Yeah, the cloud is the scariest the villain of all. The um, yeah, so $20 million so far in the US. I think it's done well enough. It's yeah. opened, It's opened. I think, fairly well over here. Uh, I think it opened up number eight or nine in the UK charts. So I, I think there's probably an appetite for it. I just... I don't know. I think the marketing campaign for it was the best thing about it. Hmm. The sort of Toy Story things that it's been doing. That's been yeah, fun. yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it'll be. I think it'll it'll land, and there's an audience for it. Clearly, good schlocky horror fun, where it's not too scary and it's not too ridiculous. It is kind of fine. Yeah, 
fun. Um, but yeah, that's where we're going to have to leave it, though, unfortunately. Sure it is. Unfortunately, they're, they're giving a little flashlight that says, your time's up, you've got to do your last song in Glastonbury. Sure. Ever. Yeah. Because we're not being invited back. <laughs> no, they're not letting the podcast tent run next year, apparently. Um, so we're going to finish on Hey Jude and really drag it out, just like McCartney does. Um, <laughs> guys, as always, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. On Twitter, we're at DinosaurMan15. Everywhere else, we're just Dinosaur Man. I hope. Um you're making a I don't know I still feel like on Facebook maybe we're not judging from that reaction what? okay um, you can rate review subscribe uh, find us on iTunes Stitcher Facebook Buzzsprout and Spotify uh, as always Johnny Neves did the theme song this week obviously coming to you live from Glastonbury <laughs> collaboration with uh, Billy Eilish Stormzy and Jeff Goldblum um, as always Andy you've been a host And as always, you have been the other host. And until next time... Uh, Eat fresh, guys. That's Subway, isn't it? (laughs) Subway. Uh, But reappropriated for this. So, podcast fresh, guys. (laughs) Or eat podcast. Eat podcast. Eat podcast. Two instructions for life that I think we can all obey. Dinosaur. Dinosaur.